Hey, I'm Pauline, and this is a Journey to Fulfillment podcast. Learn from awesome people who have gone through personal transformations so you can be inspired to grow, create, and live a truly fulfilling life. Hello, everyone. I've got a special guest on the show today. Her name is Kathleen Melvin. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. So, Kathleen, introduce yourself and what do you do? I am a copywriter. So I work specifically with B2B coaches, business coaches, publicity coaches, that sort of thing. And I write websites and email sequences and sales pages mostly, Mm -hmm. but all sorts of other things as people hand them to me. So that's what I do professionally. And I started doing that full-time about 10 months ago. And previously to that, I'd gone to law school and I had started law school with a bang, was super excited about it, had read all sorts of books as I was getting ready. And one of the, one of my favorite books that I had read as I was getting ready to go into law school was called how to be sort of happy in law school. (laughs) And I did not achieve that goal. (laughs) I was not even sort of happy. I was miserable in law school. And so I spent seven months in law school and then eventually decided that it was the best thing for me, even though it was a really scary thing to drop out and to focus on my writing business full-time. Wow. So a that's, big leap. yeah, and a brain it, leap as well. yes, yes. Yeah. It, dig into that a little bit more, but before we do, mm-hmm. <laughs> there is something that I want to ask you about law school. And that is when you mentioned that you were miserable, this is something that I believe that many people may relate to. And I know even myself, Mm -hmm. not in law, but I was in accounting, still in commerce business, and Mm -hmm. I was quite miserable as well. Not so much in the the actual education phase, but more in the the work phase of things in the career. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you into that side of things, what was it that you felt miserable about? So for me... A lot of it had to do with the lack of autonomy. Law school culture sort of prides itself on sink or swim. It prides itself on hustle and grind. It's a a culture in which you are, you're, you're sort of expected to understand things without being taught them. And it's like a rite of passage in that first year. And so I was waking up at five o'clock every morning and reading until it was time for class. And then at the time, because of COVID, I was going to school online, even though I'm a 20 minute walk from the university. And so I would read until class started. I would get on my computer, sit through class all day, and then read until I dropped into bed from exhaustion every day. And I had stopped writing. There were periods where I didn't go outside for two weeks or more. Like I was just in my apartment trying to consume all of the material that I felt I needed to consume. And so I wanted, 
I wanted the freedom of time. I wanted the, the ability to go for a walk. I wanted the ability to go do anything else (laughs) really, and not feel exhausted and not feel like, oh, I should really be spending my time on school because school is what's what I'm dedicating myself to right now. So the difference between that experience and then when I dropped out and and started running my own business um, was just massive in in the the area of, of flexibility. Mm, yeah, particularly, I mean, if you're starting your own business and all that, there is a lot more time flexibility, yet you mm-hmm. have to learn to allocate that time and what you, what you yeah. do with it. Mm-hmm. I want to go to the decision to drop out. That's a huge yeah. decision for, especially yeah. well, not only with law, just many things, but particularly like mm-hmm. as law is seen as, you know, one of those like highly committed degrees that someone mm-hmm. would venture on and it's also quite prestigious in its its own right that is a big decision so yeah. share with us like what are the the steps or the things that really led you to make that decision concrete yeah so i you are absolutely right that it is like a big heavy like weighty decision and for me a big part of that Two really two big parts of it. One is my community, my friends and family had been so supportive of my decision to go to law school. I had my previous career, I had worked for about a decade as an actor and I had owned a national touring arts education company. And I had just, I decided it was, it was time to be out of the theater industry for a number of reasons. And my community really felt like, oh yeah, law school, law school is really perfect for Kathleen. She'll be a great attorney. And I think I would have been if that's what I decided to pursue. I, I could have been. And I felt like because I had so much of their energetic support behind me, that if I quit, somehow they would all feel like I had never really appreciated that support. And it turned out, as far as I know, to not be true. No one's ever expressed that to me. If anyone feels that way, they haven't shared that thought with me. But I did get a lot of feedback saying that people were proud of me for making that scary decision, acknowledging that it was a brave thing to do, just continuing to pour out support for me. So the community side of it was was one part that made it very scary. And the other was that I had moved across the country. I had lived in Chicago, which is in like the upper Midwest of the United States. And I moved and like 17 hour drive across the country to the Southeastern corner in Florida because I had gotten a full ride scholarship to a highly ranked law school. And so that was really the biggest gift that I felt the universe had ever given to me was saying, here's your free education. And then I had also moved away from my friends and family. I was really alone here, especially because it was COVID and I wasn't like going out and building a community. And so I was making the decision in isolation and also really deciding not just am I continuing with my education or not, but am I going to hand back this enormous gift 
And I remember over winter break, I was on the phone with my best friend who I had co-owned my first business with, and she now has a business as a business coach. (laughs) And she said, Kathleen, you, you need to leave school. You need to be writing. And she said, together, we will figure out how to make that work for you, but that's what you need to do. And so at this stage, were you already attending the scholarship? Yeah, I had done a full semester at the point at which she and I had this conversation. And so I had gone through, I hadn't been notified yet, but I had made it onto the dean's list for that semester. I had had interviews for summer positions already where attorneys were also really supportive and impressed with my interviews. And I everything was just like churning forward and forward and forward. So the path was pretty much laying yeah. itself out in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really was. And I like I would get off of these interviews, which were all on Zoom at the time. I would log off and I would I would just feel like such a liar because I had had this, these great conversations about, you know, what I thought was interesting about their firm and the work they did. And, and those things really were true, but the energy that I was giving said, I want to work for you. And I did not want to do that work. And I, I could feel it and I knew it. But like you said, the path was really laid out and I felt like I was like I didn't have much of a choice but to move forward. Mm. When in reality, it was just a decision I needed to make to make something else work. And I know that that's different for different people. I don't have kids. I don't, no one is relying on me financially. So I have a lot more freedom than people who are caregivers or people who have a lot of debt or, you know, any number of things. But I do think that it, at some level, if we can all give each other that that sort of community support, if we can hold our hands out and say, I will help you make the leap, we all do have that ability to, to make what I call the brave leap sideways. For sure, yeah. But that part of yourself, so the way I see it is that there were two parts inside of yourself that were there. These were like the two paths, but there was also <laughs> two sides within yourself where one was like, you know, I could show up to these interviews and I could pretty much ace or show my interest Mm -hmm. on going on this path. And yet there was this other side as well that, you know, wanted the freedom and the flexibility and knew that there was Mm -hmm. another opening as well. So how did you kind of transition to really lean into that other side of yourself that wanted, you know, the freedom? So I am a person who does not make decisions quickly. (laughs) I take a very long runway. And so I had had this conversation with my best friend over winter break where she said, you need to leave. And my response was, I'm not sure. (laughs) And so I decided I was going to go back to school for the second semester. And I said, by May, by the end of this semester, I will have decided whether I'm coming back in the fall for my third semester. And so I gave myself that time, just allowed myself to keep running on the treadmill. 
and have, have that dialogue going with myself in the back of my head. But then I got into that second semester and within two or three weeks, I had realized I'm not coming back in the fall. This is not my, my healthy path. <laughs> and so once I had made that decision or had that realization, I also knew it was wasteful to continue running on that treadmill till May, just because I had said that that was when my deadline was. So it actually like logistically turned out to be very simple to drop out. It was just a button on the website. Yeah, logistically, so- <laughs> a lot of things are actually uh, there to, to take action mm-hmm. on. I think it's more yep. of the psychology <laughs> side though and the consequences yeah. of all of that. So one of the things I'm hearing is the, the deadline. That's important. Mm-hmm. We have to give ourselves a deadline to make a decision. Yet the mm-hmm. other thing is the um, the factors that contribute to you knowing that that wasn't the un- that was the unhealthy path. Were there certain <clears throat> things or like buttons that were pressed on yourself that you were like, yeah, this trigger and this trigger one plus one equals zero. Like I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. So I had started doing some digging into my personal values. And I had done a lot of that work a couple years earlier when I was deciding whether to leave the theater industry and what to do at that point. And so I returned to some of those questions and, and the types of journaling and things that I had that I had done for myself. And I realized that one of the values that I hadn't identified previously, but that is really important for me and my emotional health is the value of calm. I want to cultivate a life that is peaceful, a life that doesn't feel pressurized. And that was a really big element of looking at what my life would be like as a practicing attorney, let alone the next year and a half of law school. And I, I, I looked at the lives that other attorneys that I had connected to were living. I looked at the information that I had absorbed through books and blogs and all of that sort of stuff. Even before I went to law school, I knew that whether you go into big law, whether you run your own law firm, whether you become a partner in a small firm, there's a lot of pressure and it's, it's hard um, it's a hard business to run yourself and it's hard to be a player in someone else's business, um, in, in the legal industry and it's high stress. Mm-hmm. Lawyers have a much higher rate of alcoholism and drug abuse. They commit suicide at a rate four and a half times the average other yeah. <laughs> employee. And I have my own history with mental health and I have anxiety and I I have all these, these challenges, but I just, I looked and I said, this is not, this is not healthy. What is going to be healthy is finding a way for me to, to live peacefully, to support myself and, and things like my anxiety and not to try to manipulate around them and say, well, I want this thing and my anxiety is getting in the way of that. So I, what can I do to 
get rid of that, but just say, this is part of who I am. This is, this has been part of who I been for 30 odd years and figure it out from there. Yeah, I can see that's like hugely a conflict in terms of if that is like one of your higher values, then like Mm -hmm. it might be the complete opposite or somewhere a degree within that career as well. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, I mean, like you hadn't gone that far and deep into it yet at that point, but in terms of from what you've experienced, how do you find the calm within the chaos? Of my own business now or in in life in general? Or whether it's when you were in that environment before, whether it's like going through the education, Mm. still feeling the pressures in different ways and obviously, you know, for yourself. Were you able to find the calm amongst all of the pressure that you were under? In some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. But ultimately the ways that in which I couldn't weighed very heavily on me. So in my business now, I work from my bed a lot. I like soft, cozy spaces. I told you before we got on our call and started recording, I have a fuzzy blanket on my lap right now. I started the call with a fuzzy cat on my lap. And so things like that, I was able to do when I was in law school, I would read in bed, read on the couch, read outside, which is not fuzzy and soft, I realize, but is also a place where I am energized. And so things like my physical surroundings, when I was studying, I could control. And to a certain extent, because I was zooming into the classroom, I could also, you know, have a fuzzy blanket on my lap. I did not zoom from my bed, but (laughs) so in that sense, yes. But the real like, chaos of school for me was the rate at which things were coming at me and we were expected to just jump you know in in school you get a you get a syllabus you get the curriculum and it says these readings on these days cool i'm going to plan my life around that but that's not how it really worked for most of the professors i did have a couple professors who really honored that this is what i told you to read for this day cool. Here's your, here's your 40 pages. I'm not going to add to that. And then I had other professors who were just like tearing that syllabus up every other day. And I was like, I can't, I can't prepare because there was physically too much, too many hours of reading to be able to say it's Tuesday after class, I'm going to do the reading for Wednesday. So I would spend between seven and 10 hours each weekend day doing schoolwork so that I was far enough ahead on Monday and Tuesday that I could do Wednesday and Thursday and Fridays reading during the week, reading and and other related tasks. And so that really caused me trouble. And then I also, I had professors that did things like when I emailed with questions told me that I was asking them to do the work for me and that sort of response. And I, my self-image is that I'm a very hard worker, that I rise to challenges. And so to have people basically like shoot me emails that said, Kathleen, you're lazy. Mm. It did not change my vision of myself. It changed my vision of the environment that I was in. 
And so, yeah, there were just a lot of, a lot of different pressures that I was not interested in sacrificing myself and my health to deal with. Yeah. And I mean, going through law school and your experiences, that would pretty much give you a snapshot of your career as well, because that pressure, even though it's in different, it comes in different forms, it's still pressure. Mm-hmm. As well. Yeah. And it's the pressure of the industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's very normalized. Law school is trial by fire. You graduate. If you pass the bar, you're a first year attorney and that's trial by fire. And it's just this, it's this culture of like constantly having to earn your place. And I don't want to earn my place. I want to walk into a room knowing that I've done the work that I've prepared, knowing that I have value inherently and not receive side eye because I look young or because it's my first year practicing or my fifth year practicing or any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Cause that really is a valuable point in terms of like, you don't want to earn your place, but you want to own your place or at least own Mm -hmm. your space as well of the work that you've done. And when you do go on the chase of just wanting to earn all the time, that can have a lot of different Mm -hmm. mental health effects. Yeah. And I think too, like, I'm not against earning my place or asking other people to earn their place, but when they've done the work to earn it, I am going to accept that they are here and that they've done that work. Mm. And I think that the culture in school and from what I understand from practicing attorneys in firms is you just have to, you just have to keep grabbing from more and continue to prove yourself after you've really earned, after you've done that work to be in the space. Do you feel that there's a sense of not enoughness constantly because of that? Yeah, I do. I do think so. I think especially for for women, and I don't think that's just in, in the legal profession. I think that's uh, across the sort of corporate world that we feel like maybe it's not enough. Maybe I didn't. I thought I had done the work. I thought that I earned my spot here, but nobody's treating me like I've earned it. So now I'm second guessing myself. And I think that that's a really dangerous place to be. Because mm, then you could self-minimize in, mm-hmm. many, in when the opportunity presents itself as well. Yeah. Instead of stepping up, you can go in that yep. other side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. Before we continue with this episode, I'd love to take a few moments to invite you to join my free resources course library. Inside, you'll get access to my guided meditations and practical tips to help you power through your day with more clarity, ease, and confidence. So if you're ready to raise your energy and create fulfilling success on your terms, just head over to journeytofulfillment.com. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. I want to move the conversation over to the leap. So Mm -hmm. you mentioned about dropping out. So you've clicked the button. (laughs) how did you you feel when you click after you click the button how did your feelings change you know 
I think that by the time I actually did the physical clicking of the button, I was very solidly, I had actually waited to do the formal clicking of the button because I had emailed my dean of students just to let her know I was going to do that. And she had said, well, let's talk. And so I waited for, I don't remember what exactly the situation was, but basically I waited for her to like schedule a call with me. And I waited a couple of days and never heard back from her. So then I was like, cool, click. (laughs) And then I sent her another email and I was like, just clicked the button. And then she was like, can we get on the phone? Oh, wow. (laughs) Which was fine. She just wanted to, she wanted to ask me like, is, was it something that they could have done to prevent? And it really, it really wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't about the school. It was just about what the world is and who I am. <laughs> yeah. It's like a not you, but me situation, but it is kind of you. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's where it's, it's your position in the world. And the fact that you don't stand up and do something to change the culture, but I wasn't going to have a whole conversation with her. I don't think it ultimately would have mattered very much, but yeah. So I think when I clicked the button, I was just like, okay, we're starting the next thing. I had already been working as a copywriter before law school, just as a, a side gig. And so I knew the work. I didn't really know how I was going to find clients or what sort of income I could make or any of those things. And so those were the next sort of scary steps for me to lay out in front of me. But you had, was it the business coach? friend or something mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my best friend and we still work together in, we have a little like mini mastermind every week where the two of us come together and we talk about copy questions that she has and she helps me through with business coaching. So it's absolutely been a reason that I've been able to be successful is that I have, I have her leadership and, and her expertise to rely on. Mm-hmm. So how did you build yourself from that point onwards? Like, you know, where you didn't know, like you knew the work, but then the business side is a whole nother story. So having her support as well and just yourself, I mean, a lot of it is still a self journey, even though you have someone Mm -hmm. like, you know, who's maybe leading the path or guiding you through it as well. Mm -hmm. What was your self journey like when you were getting started and, you know, the things? So I can get in my head a lot. <laughs> I already mentioned that like it it takes a long time to make decisions. I have to think through a lot of different scenarios and one of the ways that I do that is I I write a lot, which probably as a person who writes professionally that probably isn't an enormous surprise, but I did a lot of journaling. I did a lot of asking myself questions and answering those questions. From a practical standpoint, I ended up joining a bunch of different networking groups and meeting people and getting referrals that way. My business is almost entirely referral-based still. I do get some inbound requests from people, but for the most part, it's, oh, I've worked with Kathleen or I know Kathleen, let me introduce you. And so that's something that I want to improve in my business. I think it's really great to have people sharing your information because they trust you and they and they love your work. But it's also a little bit of a vulnerable space to be in where 
I'm reliant on that word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So that's been part of my journey so far too. What's been the biggest challenge for you on that journey? In my business? Yeah. My biggest challenge, I think, I think my biggest challenge actually goes back further than goes back a couple of years. So if we rewind to when I was a full-time theater artist and also doing copywriting for people on the side, I was getting fantastic feedback. I knew that my work was having an impact on not only my children's theater that I was writing for, but also these other businesses that I was writing for. People were, you know, appreciative and I still felt when I decided to leave the theater industry, like I had no marketable skills and that I needed to go to school in order to be quote unquote employable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fast forward three years, I, I no longer believe I have no marketable skills and I certainly don't worry about being employable because I work for myself again, but there was something like really deeply seated <laughs> that said, you do not have the ability to take care of yourself unless you go get a degree. And that was a big part of why I decided to go to law school was because that was like the foundational belief that I had. And so I think that my biggest challenge was really just convincing myself I could do it saying, you know, this is this is valuable work. This is work that you're really great at. This is work that other people need help with. And it's something that you can earn money doing. You can make a living doing. And just convincing myself that that was an option. I mean, there are like writing courses out there. Mm-hmm. Are there degrees and there's many different ones like yeah and all sorts of things mm-hmm. are there actually was there a degree that you were even looking into at the time out of curiosity no i wasn't looking at a writing degree i think this sounds strange coming from someone who is a professional actor and chose to go to school for theater but i think that like it didn't so my minor in my, my undergrad minor is in writing just like plain old writing mm-hmm. And I remember talking to professors, two women who taught classes that I loved in my senior year and saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to go be an actor, but I also knew that actors, even the most successful actors, unless you're Angelina Jolie, you have day jobs, you have survival jobs for your whole career. And so I knew that that was going to be part of my life. And I said, I really want to work with something where I can use my writing skills and I just didn't get a response that made me feel like there were a lot of options. I think when I was in school, I graduated in 2009. So at the time that I was in undergrad, if you were going to be a writer, you were either going into fiction or you were writing books of some kind. And now I look at students who are in, in my circle because they're copywriters and they've just graduated and they the internet exists in a very different way in 2021 than it did in 2009. And that the opportunities I think are more obvious now. Depending on demand, because it's all about the demand Mm -hmm. as well for the services. Yeah. I mean, 
when I graduated, like if you were talking about a blog, it was like a plain text, (laughs) chunky, no graphics sort of I'm putting something on my live journal. I don't know if people even remember what live journal was, but no one was talking about using blogs as marketing or the the value that that could have. No one was talking about the value of email lists and communicating regularly with subscribers. It just wasn't part of the conversation. So I brought that mindset into my adulthood with me. And then in 2018, 2019, when I was trying to figure out what was next, it just, it wasn't part of my, my worldview. So that slowly shifted as I started actually through a course, which wasn't at the time, the course wasn't really about like how to write copy. It was about how to build your copy business, which is exactly what I needed. I already knew a lot about writing copy, but that experience of taking that course and then the algorithms understanding that I had purchased that course and then sending me other information was really the start of my journey of like, oh, yeah, this work that I've been doing, this is actually like a real career. Yeah. This is valuable and I can, this can be my life. So it was a very long transition. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is that us, you know, these these decisions and these kind of journeys, it's different for everyone. And and sometimes mm-hmm. it like the fruit of it is that it takes time. Mm-hmm. To, you know, yeah. and there aren't any shortcuts. As mm-hmm. much as you can take different courses and learn all different things, you still have to be able to, I guess, do it in your own way and on your own terms. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's the thing that's when you can build out that system for yourself, it's like it's worth it. You know, like when yeah. you can get that calm in your life the way mm-hmm. that you want, that's awesome. Yeah, it is very fulfilling. The convincing side as well. How did you shift that? Like, obviously you started, you recognized it of convincing yourself, you know, without the degree, is this legitimate? I've been through it myself as a coach. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always that thought of like, do I go and study psychology and put myself through like, you know, the four years or, and do all these things and go clinical or like, you know, is this legitimate that I'm doing? So it can come up in different industries for different people in many ways, that convincing side How did you shift that for yourself or start to actually embody and believe that this was quality work and important? Yeah, because for me, it was never really about like, is the work legitimate? I knew that it was work that had to be done. It was work that I had to do for my own company. Other people clearly have to do it for their company and, and sometimes they hire people. But for me, yeah, that convincing was really like, how can I make that work so that it's my full-time thing? Can this really support a life? And what are the steps that I need to take to make that happen? And I think that like so many mental and emotional transformations, it really was just about touch points over the course of a couple of years, being exposed to different information, being exposed to different people's opinions, receiving continued feedback that this is something you should look into. This is something you should be doing. This is something you're really good at. This is something that I value and you should too. And I don't know that there was any like one major turning point. I think that it was a lot of sort of the image of the rock and the one single drip of water that over time eventually carves that rock out. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, I don't think I can point to, you know, oh, I got this one email or I had this one conversation or even like four or five different things. It was just the universe sending messages, nudges. Effect. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because like, it does take a bit of convincing of ourselves to be able to go around and I guess collect or like you said, the touch points and then putting them into, mm-hmm. you know, making them make sense for us. And mm-hmm. as you go along and you get more of it, it's more validation that like, yes, yeah. this is this yeah. how I want to take it. This is where I want to take mm-hmm. it. Yeah. This is, this is the right thing to be doing at this moment in time. Mm, that's beautiful. And I, I still, it's been 10 months since I dropped out and it's dropping out of law school was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And I am so much happier, so much healthier, enjoying my work, enjoying my life in a way that I I don't know that I ever would have had I continued on that path. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. At the moment, what where are you now in your journey? Like what are you working on? So I have three avenues <laughs> that I'm working on for 2022. One of those is my copywriting writing websites, email sequences, sales pages, and other things. One of them is early next year at the end of January, I'm launching a live course where I will take people through what I call the purpose pyramid. And that's really helping them evaluate and prioritize their values, their vision, and their mission, and then teaching them how to casually and seamlessly integrate all of that information into their sales copy, into their marketing copy, because especially in the last two years, we as a society have become really focused on values and not just monetary value. So whether you are talking to your potential clients, whether you are talking to potential team members or current team members who you would like to keep (laughs) or investors, they're all going to want to know about what you stand for and how you show up in the world. And it is so much more powerful to be able to kind of like what we talked earlier, just like drip that into different points of communication than just say, this is my vision statement. This is my mission statement. No one really cares about your official mission statement. It's good to have one. It's fine. But you need to learn to talk about it in a way that's natural. Like you and I had a whole conversation today about the fact that I value calm in my personal life and my business life. That is something that is really important to me. And so that's avenue two. Avenue number one is my regular copywriting. Avenue two is is that course called Total Alignment that I'll be launching at the end of January. And then the third thing that I'm doing next year is I've had some people reach out to me to coach them for TEDx. So I just did a TEDx talk earlier this year called The Brave Leap Sideways, which is about all of this and and that values-led journey to find my next right path. And so with my background as an actor, as a director, as a writer, as an editor, and actually way back, I was a competitive speaker and a coach for other competitive speakers. So with all of that combined, I've got this really nice package of experience that when people started to, to reach out to me and, and ask about that, I was like, yeah, no, that feels very aligned. That feels very good. So that's the third thing that I'm pursuing next year. And my TEDx talk, The Brave Leap Sideways, if 
y'all want to check it out, I will have that embedded on my website, which is writecatcreative.com, R-I-G-H-T, <laughs> catcreative.com. And so if, yeah, so if you go to writecatcreative.com slash brave leap sideways, you'll find it right there. Yeah, no worries. And we can drop yeah. all the, the links in the show notes so people can check that it's out. Fantastic. Connect with you. Last couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Because this has been incredibly inspiring for anyone who is maybe on a similar journey, whether it's through change or actually in law school or like on the Mm -hmm. writing path. And the first question is, at this stage of your life, after everything that you know until this point, and now that you've packaged certain things and all of your skills and experience, what does fulfillment mean to you? I think it really comes back to that question about values. It's really taking a hard look at the way that you want to show up in the world, giving names, giving voices, giving labels to those different ways that you want to show up and then measuring your life against that. Because like I said earlier, those values are, are really the bottom of, of the period. They're of the pyramid. They're the foundation. They're what you build upon. And so if the way that I'm living my life isn't aligning with those values, I don't think I'm going to feel fulfilled. But if I can if I can feel that alignment in the various aspects of my life, I think that that's where things just feel like like there's not any friction. Mm. Like so your how become yeah. easier because of the the values are there. I really think so. I think that when you have that 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 lexicon, when you know how to talk about your values, when you come up against something that seems like like a challenge, seems like, do I, a fork in the road, do I go left, do I go right? You can look at each option and ask yourself, does it align? Does it align with my values? And so it's something for us to lean back on that we know we've already made the choice to pursue a calm life, to pursue a life of being a dependable person, to do whatever your values are. So you can always fall back on that for support because we make over 35,000 decisions every single day. We are tired of making decisions and decision-making becomes harder and harder and harder the more fatigued we are. So if you have that support system, I think it's really, really valuable as you come up against decisions big and small. Yeah. Yeah. Valuable. Last question for you. Mm -hmm. I want you to fast forward into the future where Kathleen Melvin has accomplished everything that she wanted in her life and she's okay. impact to, you know, all the people that really resonate with her, her work, mm-hmm. her, her mission. And you have lived the life of alignment and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. There comes to be a day where it becomes your last day on earth. And there may be just a few things that you want to say and leave us with or send a message. Mm-hmm. What would be the message that you would want to send or leave us with? Well, so there are three things that I want to accomplish in, in my life as like big bullet points. One, I want to see all the big, beautiful waterfalls. I've seen Niagara Falls, but I haven't gotten to travel. I have not prioritized travel much beyond the States yet. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Another thing is I want to give a TED Talk. So I've already done the TEDx, but I want the I want to give a big TED Talk. And the third thing is I want to perform with the Muppets. So first of all, I would want to thank the Muppets for that opportunity if I've, if I've gotten <laughs> to achieve that. 
but more seriously, I, I mean, it's, 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 I'm such a rational thinker. I'm like, it's impossible. I, how could I know if I knew now (laughs) what I would, what my like supreme wisdom would be on my deathbed. I think from my perspective as someone who, as far as I know, is not currently on my deathbed, I think that my message really is like, take a look at where you are, take a look at your path, ask yourself if you're feeling stuck. If you are feeling stuck, know that you have the option to take your brave loop sideways. You have that option to, to find a new path that does feel more aligned with your values. And if you ask yourself if you're feeling stuck and you're like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm going in a direction I want to be going in. I'm moving at a pace that feels comfortable. Then I want you to look around at the people. And I talk about this in my TEDx talk too. I want you to look at the people who you interact with, whether that is your children or coworkers or your friends in your circle. And I want you to notice when those people might be feeling stuck. And if you're not feeling stuck, then you have the privilege in that moment to reach your hand out to that person who might be and say, look, I see you, I believe in you, and you don't have to, you don't have to stay where you're not feeling aligned. You can figure out, and I can help you figure out how to get off that treadmill. So I think it's really about supporting ourselves making sure our own gas mask is on, our own oxygen mask is on. And then when we check ourselves and we're like, no, we're good. We're okay. Looking around and helping other people find that too. Thank you for the empowering and compassionate message. And may that lead you into exactly that direction, whatever it is for you in the future. I, I hope so. Thank you. Yeah. Incredible conversation. Thank you so much for your insights and wisdom on this conversation. And I can't wait to maybe do it again with you. 10 years down the track or whenever it is. And And we'll see, see. we'll see what my wisdom is at that point. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe. So you're notified when a new episode is out. Also rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends because just one insight could change someone's life for better. Now go out there and make an impact and I will catch you in the next episode.